the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And then he looked at me and he said, Well, I still believe that a Christian can fall from grace. What does the Bible say about that aspect of our salvation? We're talking about the doctrine that is commonly called the security of the believer or eternal security. Or as some put it, once saved, always saved. Uh, Those are really made up words to fit the biblical doctrine of eternal security. But they're appropriate words. They're not words found in the Bible, security and, and one saved, so forth. But the truth is there. We're often like that man that Pastor Steve Kreloff just mentioned. We want to know what some words mean, and then, when we're told, we reject the clear meaning of the words and stick to our old ideas. That's why we're taking the time on Verse by Verse to examine some of the key Bible doctrine words. Words like new birth, propitiation, security, and others. These words form the very foundation of our faith, and we need to know their full meaning. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, will delve into the full meaning of security. We use words like once saved, always saved, and eternal security, and can a believer fall from grace. But none of these words express the complete concept of what the Bible has to say about the security of the believer. We hope you'll listen carefully to understand how each person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each have a role in guaranteeing that the believer is eternally secure in God's hands. Here's Pastor Steve. I was seated in the living room of a gentleman who asked me this question. Yes, he said to me, what do you believe about once saved, always saved? And I I took the next five or ten minutes to share with him what I believed and why I believed some of these things concerning that truth. And then he looked at me and he said, well, I still believe that a Christian can fall from grace. What does the Bible say about that aspect of our salvation? We're talking about the the doctrine that is commonly called the security of the believer or eternal security. Or as some put it, once saved, always saved. Uh, those are, are really made up words to fit the biblical doctrine of eternal security, but they're appropriate words. They're not words found in the Bible, security and, and one say so forth, but the truth is there. When Jesus died on the cross, he secured for us salvation, but what kind of salvation? How secure are we in this salvation that he has secured for us? Can something remove us from that salvation? Is it temporary or is it eternal? So we really have to have a very important question to to uh, ask and answer. What kind of salvation did Christ's death secure? Can we fall from grace or is it secure? Let me have you open, first of all, your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Because in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul does use that expression. And he says to the Galatians that you have fallen from grace. Yes, a believer can fall from grace. 
But what does that mean? What does that really mean? What does it mean? Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. You've been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Fallen from grace. Now, I want you to know that this is not talking about losing your salvation. It's not talking about losing your salvation, but about forsaking the principle of grace and faith for a life under the law of Moses. Now, there were some people in the Galatian church who were believers and some who were not believers. They were very influenced by uh, people that the Bible calls Judaizers, people who came in and said, you know, uh, it's all right for you to, uh, to believe in Christ, but you've got to become Jewish. You know that. You've got to keep the law. You've got to be circumcised, speaking to the Gentile uh, believers or people who are on the verge of becoming believers. You know, you can believe in Christ, but yes, you've got to keep the law. And Paul is, is telling them uh, that you who are influenced, whether you are believers or not, you who are influenced by these Judaizers, you're being pulled back from grace and you're coming under law again. Therefore, if you fall back into law, you have fallen from grace. Notice the context, verse 1. For it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. What he's saying is, hey, if, if Christ has freed you from all, keeping all the commandments, and there's something like 613 commandments in the Hebrew Scriptures, if Christ has freed you from that, why would you subject yourself to that kind of stuff again? Why would you do that? Why would you who have been set free from the law go back under the law when it is bondage? to try to earn your way to heaven. Paul says that that is really what, what he's talking about. He says in verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you think that circumcision will get you to heaven, Christ is no benefit to you. If you think that you can work your way to heaven, then why do you need Jesus Christ? Verse 3, I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. Such as one part of the law, you've got to keep all of it. And then verse 4, if you do this, you've been, you've been severed from Christ. You don't need Christ. You don't need Christ because you're, you're seeking to be justified by law. You're fallen from grace. Well, you, you cannot have law and, and Christ. So this is not talking about losing your salvation. It's saying to a church, don't go back under law. He's telling them that law is not the way of salvation. That's all he's saying there. So we want to be careful about that expression, fallen from grace. Anytime we flirt with the law and we think that we have to keep the law, we are in danger of falling from grace. I'd like us to look at salvation, how secure it is, from the standpoint of the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. Because I'd like us to focus on, on salvation and security in terms of the Trinity. We know we are secure in our salvation because of what the three persons of the Trinity have done for us and continue to do for us. For us. First of all, we know that we are secure because of the power of God the Father. The power of God the Father. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. The strength, the power, the ability of God the Father assures us that our salvation is eternal. It is secure. The power of, of God. When the New Testament says God and does not clarify God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, generally the scriptures mean God the Father. So, First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. 
Peter writes, speaking to a church that was, uh, that was very much suffering, he says, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, the whole theme of the book of First Peter is suffering and, and how believers are to respond in light of the suffering and persecution that they were enduring. And he says this, in light of the persecution and suffering that these believers were, were experiencing, God was protecting them by his power. God has brought us to a point where we have new life. We are born again. He's reserved a place in heaven for us. He's protecting us now. He's protecting us now so that when we die, we, we, uh, we will be able to go to heaven. We will not lose this salvation we have. We will not lose it along the way. However, we go through trials. We go through tests. And these tests indicate that we really do have this salvation, that we can't lose this salvation. We're tested for a little while, but we won't lose it. Why? Why won't we lose it? Well, in fact, he says that, that this test proves, these tests prove that you're genuine because you don't walk away from the Lord. You may have your struggles, but you keep on keeping on. And why will we make it all the way to heaven? Why will we endure the trials? Why will our faith not burn up? Why will we not say, I've had it with this Christianity and I, I don't want it anymore? Why? Because God is protecting us. We are protected by the power of God. We are kept by the power of God. In fact, that's how I think the authorized version puts it. We are kept by the power of God. Now the question is, is there anything more powerful than God the Father, or is there anyone or anything? That is to say, is Satan more powerful? Some people will say, well, Satan, you know, he, he can get you to lose your salvation. Or how about sin? Is there any sin that you and I can commit that uh, God says, whoa, wait a minute, this just plucked you right out of my hand? Or how about uh, an overwhelming situation? Is there anything in our lives that we would just say, I can't handle it, I don't want this anymore, I'm not walking with the Lord, I don't, want, I don't even believe anymore? Well, let's see. John chapter 10. This wonderful passage of Scripture about Jesus being the shepherd and the love of the good shepherd for his sheep. It's a great passage of Scripture. And he says in verse 27 and following, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. That is to say, I have a relationship with them. I know them in an intimate way. And they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of, out of the Father's hand. Now, these verses teach that we're in good hands, you know, sort of like a certain insurance company that says you're in good hands, except these hands are not open. God's hands are closed, and we're in them. We're not just in good hands. He's got his hands around us, and he, we're in his firm grasp. We're, actually, we have double security. Uh, if I want to be cute when someone says, do you believe in the security of the believer? I sometimes say, no, I believe in the double security of the believer. We're in the hands of Jesus Christ and we're in the hands of God the Father. We have double security. We are firmly in his grasp. And we are not, and keep, keep this in mind, we are not holding on to him. He's holding on to us. If, he, if it meant me holding on to him, I would have let go a long time ago. Someone said this, I don't believe in the perseverance of the saints, I believe in the perseverance of Jesus Christ to keep the saints. Secondly, the second reason we know we have security in our salvation is because of the promise of God the Son. 
the promise of God the Son. The Lord Jesus promises us in his word that he will keep us and never lose us. The most famous verse in all the Bible is what? John 3.16. If you had nothing else, you could rely on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's eternal security. The promise of Jesus Christ is that you will never perish. John chapter 5, verse 24, says basically the same thing. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Romans 8, 1, which I referred to a moment ago, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Never will be. Jesus was condemned in our place. Therefore, God says that we will not be condemned. He does not demand that we be condemned because his own son took our place. It was paid for, and we have appropriated that. But let's turn back to John chapter 10 again. Because in light of, of Jesus speaking about, or in the context of him speaking about God, the Father has us in his hands, he also gives us a marvelous promise. In fact, there is a very wonderful book written by a man named Strombeck based on verse uh, 26 and 27 and 28. I guess it's really verse 28, shall never perish. But here's the promise. Notice verse 26. Jesus says to these people, the Jewish people around him, Jewish leaders, but you do not believe. Why? Because you are not of my sheep. Very interesting verse. He said, you don't believe because you're really not my sheep. These unbelieving Jewish leaders did not have faith in him because they were not his sheep. In other words, they were not the elect. They were not the sheep who were chosen to respond to his voice. They were not the sheep God chose to give to Christ. But the elect, elect sheep, the chosen ones, they do come and they do believe in contrast to those who do not come and they don't believe. Verse 27, my sheep, he said, in contrast to the ones who he had just told you're not my sheep, my sheep, they hear my voice. They respond when I call. They respond. And I know them. I have an intimate knowledge of them. I have a relationship with them. I call them. I know who they are. I'm intimate with them. And they follow me. My sheep follow me. Very important that you understand this does not say once in a while they follow. It does not say if they follow. It's an absolute. My sheep do follow. It's not saying that they, that they, they follow perfectly, but as a, as a way of life, they follow. We also know we're secure in our salvation, not only because of the power of God the Father, the promise of God the Son, but also the presence of God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives proves to us that our salvation will never, will never end. He indwells us. God indwells us by the Spirit of, of God. Let's look at John chapter 14. Now, you realize that Jesus is telling, is telling his disciples in John 13 through 16 that he's leaving. This is called the farewell discourse or the upper room discourse. He's leaving, and what he is doing is he's telling them church-age truths in sort of germ form. Everything, or most of the things, well, I should say everything that he, that he told them in John 13, 14, and 15, and 16, later the apostles expanded in the New Testament letters. So he's telling them, in contrast to the age that is about to end, 
once he dies and the church is going to be born, he's telling them church-age truths in contrast to Old Testament-age truths. And he says in chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, something that was completely new to a Jewish person. I never heard this before. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. And how long will he be in you? Jesus just said in verse 16, forever. Forever. This, is very, this was very new and very radical to them because in the Old Testament, believers uh, had the Spirit for a time and then the Spirit departed. David said, take not thy Spirit from me. We can never say that now. Never said, we should never say that. We may grieve the Holy Spirit. We may quench the Holy Spirit, but he never, he never leaves us. So he is in us, our bodies, according to 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, are bodies of the temple of the Holy Spirit. We, we are a temple in which the Spirit of God dwells in us. Now Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, what? What did he say? Remember? None of his does not belong to him. So the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God proves that we know him. But I want you to see something more than that. Ephesians chapter 1, because the, the question is, well, maybe he was in us now, but he might leave us. Well, we already know that he, that he won't, even though some uh, think that. We already know, because Jesus said he'll be with you forever. But I want you to see Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14 speak about our security. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that's just one evidence. We, we won't, we're not even going to get into that right now, but we are sealed. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But verse 14 is what I want you to see. Who is given, meaning the Holy Spirit, who's been promised to us, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. The concept of a pledge or the earnest of our inheritance is the concept of a down payment. That's what it means. In ancient times, on, uh, they would put a down payment on something, and that would mean that there's more to come. There's more to come. God has given us a down payment that there's more to come of our salvation, that all the promises of the blessings of salvation will someday be ours. How do we know that? Well, the Holy Spirit is a down payment. He's the earnest of our inheritance. That means that you will experience that inheritance. You will experience all that God said you will. Well, how do I know that? Because he's given you the down payment. Now, you may think, but I'm a shrewd businessman. Uh, people might not give us. You know, they may give a down payment and, and not give any more. People have been known to do that. Yes, but this is God. This is not people. This is God who promises that he will give us. He, you know, you can't take an analogy and make it walk on, on all fours. The analogy simply says that God guarantees that there will be more of the, the fullness of our salvation in terms of, of what we experience in glory, the redemption of our bodies, because we know that if he's given us the Holy Spirit, he'll give us the total package down the road. The presence of the Spirit of God is God's guarantee to each believer that you will receive all He's promised for you. You see, you can't lose what God guarantees you will have. Now, having said all of this, let me tell you what the bottom line is. 
you can save yourself a lot of a lot of time and energy looking up all the verses that deal with eternal security. The bottom line of eternal security is 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 this. It's the grace of God. You were not saved by anything you did. You were saved by the grace of God as found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation depends on God, not you, not me. Since you did nothing to earn your salvation, you can do nothing to keep your salvation. It is all of grace. And that's, that was Paul's point to the Galatians. It didn't start by grace and then end up by works. You're saved by grace and you are kept by grace. And even if you knew of no other verses in the Bible and didn't understand all the verses that people throw in your face and say, aha, but what about this and what about that? If you understand the fact that salvation is by grace, the concept of thinking we could lose our salvation is absolutely absurd. It does not depend on us. It never has, it never did to begin with. And I've often said, listen, if it depended on me, I could never be saved. And if it depended on me, I, I lost it the day after I was saved anyway. You know, and, and all of us have. If salvation is dependent on us, we've all lost it. We've all lost it. Thank God it's not dependent on us. You did nothing to earn this salvation by your behavior. You can do nothing to keep it by your behavior. And you can do nothing to lose it by your behavior. If it is of grace, it is no longer of works. A continually disobedient person, that's what always comes up. Are you saying then that we, are, we can behave any way we want? No, I didn't say that. Bible didn't say that. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, look at, look at this, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say? Verse 1, are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? We who are saved by grace, do we say live any way you want? Paul answers and says, may it never be. May it never be. No. Grace teaches us to obey out of love. To obey out of love. Now, a continually disobedient person never had salvation to begin with. Now, we're not talking about someone who backslides for a time, someone who struggles with sin. We, we all do at times. Someone who's been temporarily disobedient, but the, the dominant pattern of their lives has been obedience. No, we're not talking about that. But a continually disobedient, rebellious person has never experienced the grace of God anyway, because grace teaches us, according to Titus chapter 2, to deny ungodliness and selfish desires. And I might say this, that, that understanding eternal security frees us, frees us to obey for the right motives. We don't want to obey so that we, we keep our salvation. Because your obedience has nothing to do with keeping your salvation. But a lot of people are trapped into that. You want to be free to obey out of love. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You don't want to go through life feeling that bondage of, oh, maybe I'm not saved if I don't do this. No, it's, it's, it's sort of as I compare it to marriage. I, I hope none of you do certain things to keep marriage to keep your wife loving you or your husband loving you or do certain things so they'll they'll keep you no we we want to we want better motives than that we want to be the best husband best wife that we can because we love our spouse we want to do nice things for them not so that we'll we'll earn their favor no we don't obey to keep salvation we obey because we love him so we know we're secure because the power of God the Father teaches us that. We know we're secure because of the promise of God the Son. And we know we're secure because of the presence of God the Holy Spirit. That's why the writer said, 
we have so great salvation. It is a great salvation. And as we remember the death of Jesus Christ, we remember that is the basis for it. We remember Christ. When Jesus died, he didn't die to secure for you a salvation, that one false move, and you've had it. He died to secure for you a salvation that will last into eternity into eternity. This is a great salvation because we have a great Savior and he, when He died, it was an eternal payment that he, that he paid His life, an eternal life, and therefore we receive that eternal life. That's the story of eternal security. We are kept by the power of God, the Father, because eternal life is promised by Jesus, God the Son, and we know that we are secure by the presence with us of God, the Holy Spirit. You've heard Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's lesson was part of a series in which we've been looking at some key Bible doctrine words and what they mean for us today. In the next lesson, our word will be reconciliation. Verse by Verse is a daily radio program with lessons taken from messages given at Lakeside Community Chapel. You can hear today's lesson again or explore the many other subjects on file at our website, versebyverseradio.org. They're available for free download, and if God leads you to support the ministry of Verse by Verse, click on the box Support Us to find out how you can help keep this program on the air. Next time, we'll look at that word which is really the principal subject of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation reconciliation. It's God's wonderful plan to reconcile mankind to himself. I'm Jerry Pruden, inviting you to join us again for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.